Welcome to the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. We are your hosts, Michael and Lauren Falk. We are physical therapists, athletic trainers, and strength and conditioning coaches at Kinetic Sports Medicine and Performance. We will be talking all things related to athletic performance for Milwaukee area athletes. Sports medicine, performance training, sports nutrition, recovery, and sports coaching. There's a lot of misinformation and myths surrounding athletic performance and injuries. This podcast is designed to bring current, factual, and evidence-based information to Milwaukee area athletes. Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. I am your host, Lauren Falk, and I am joined today by Coach CJ Michel. Coach Michel is the, let me say this correctly, co-head coach of a combined girls and boys cross-country and track program for Muskego High School, correct? That's correct. That is the mouthful. He, uh, but arguably, I would say he has a focus in distance events, correct? Yeah, that's safe to say. Awesome. Well, Coach, thanks so much for joining us today on our podcast. Always so, good hanging out with you. I know. Looking forward to it. So to start off, first of all, you're a teacher at Muskego High School. So what do you teach, first of all? So I am an English teacher. Uh, I largely teach seniors. So the AP English literature course I've been teaching now for, uh, let's see, this would be my 10th year. Um, and I also taught uh, English 12 this year, but I've taught every level except for freshmen. They've deemed that not an efficient place for me. Um, and I've been there since 2002. Fantastic. My favorite part about all that is you edit all of my emails. So this is even better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do get, I do get occasionally someone sending me an email. Like I apologize if like, it's fine. It's email. I got like, you. You're not writing a, not writing, you're not writing a treatise on some new like political movement. It'll be okay. Exactly. It's a very important skill set to have nonetheless. Got to pinch those commas. Exactly. So now why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into coaching then? Um, kind of happenstance and accidents. Uh, I just growing up was always a, a sports nut. And being of the frame of five foot eight and, you know, a strong breeze could knock me down. Uh, some of the more traditional sports just waved bye-bye to me, even though I tried really hard. Uh, played some football in middle school, played left out. Um, joy, I played basketball. Uh, it was kind of another passion, freshman, sophomore year of high school, and just, you know, kind of played a little, but there were some limitations. Volleyball was my first love. And again, I can't jump and I'm short. So that ended that career. Um, and just... Golf was the family religion, and that was always the direction I was going to go. And then uh, I just accidentally stumbled into running, and um, I am a self-claimed, really hyperly organized person who really likes uh, things that I feel I have some semblance of ownership of, and running just spoke to me. And then ran in high school. That went fun. Uh, I wouldn't say well. I was still figuring it out. I wasn't completely and utterly what I'd call a dedicated athlete. Uh, I was very much a teenager. And then went to run Free W Whitewater and was blessed with seeing some of the best runners Whitewater's ever had. I was not one of them. I was an also-ran. Also um, I was not, again, not fully committed yet. Really didn't embrace what the sport could be. Um, just was kind of doing it. Mm -hmm. Had fun with it. Uh, Mills is great over at Whitewater. He's a ton of fun. He's like kind of like your Whitewater riverboat captain, just taking you down, just having some fun, telling you you're going to be great. Yeah. And I got to watch some of these guys that I trained with that ended up running at the Olympic Trials. Um, and just see like what running could be. And that, that exposure really changed me. Um, and a lot of them and their dedication rubbed off on me years later. So that when I started at Muskego, uh, there was an opening uh, to be the jumps coach on the track team. So I was like, 
sure. Coaching seems fun. And so I did that for a while, which was <laughs> hilarious. Um, I actually really enjoyed it because I'm, I'm a tinkerer, uh, as, as Lauren, you know, from just conversations we've had about running mechanics. Absolutely. Um, I loved to tinker and high jump. Oh, let's go. Uh, but it wasn't like, I loved it, but I didn't love it. And I always wanted to coach distance running. And yeah. then, so I volunteered, uh, for three years at Muskego, uh, with their cross country program, uh, from 2002 to 2004. So those three falls, yeah. uh, I was the volunteer coach. So unpaid, just hanging out, running with the kids. That's really when I refell in love with the sport and realized what it means and what yeah. it can be and what it means to me. And then in 2005, I became the head coach and didn't know what the heck I was doing. Those, those, those kids are now they're in their thirties and they'll tell you, I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, but we were, we were successful right away, which was kind of a curse because uh, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was successful. So that was really mind numbingly uh, problematic and just kind of brought me to where I can go now, which is, recognizing I'm still just guessing. Uh, it's kind of the, kind of the, all of it. So. Well, it's funny. Cause you know, what I say, you know, and part of the reason why I ask about what do you teach and stuff like that is it's really important for people to realize that a lot of high school coaches, that's not their first job. You know, your first job is to be a teacher. And then if you want to be a good teacher, you're going to put extra oomph into that. And then on top of it, with all those hours, now you're going to be a coach and now to go above and beyond and do all the things that you do to try to be a good coach. I mean, we'll get to this, but I'm pretty sure you don't sleep ever. No, <laughs> you know? no. But people need to appreciate no. that, especially about high school coaches. It's not like it's a college coach where that's your sole job. You know, you're wearing multiple hats every day. And I think that that's something that everyone needs to appreciate about their coaching staffs, especially in those situations is that, you know, they're largely doing this out of passion and the fact that they really want to enhance these kids' lives and that they are doing more than just being a coach. They're having to do all of those things. So not to mention, you know, we always have things like, you know, families, kids, and all those other things on the other side of this too. That's all part of that picture. So we appreciate everything that you do while wearing all of those hats. Yeah, so you're always, you're always sacrificing something. Exactly. It's all about balance, I think, is what we've said. Oh, let's, I'm not a good example of that. <laughs> You could pretend. <laughs> Thanks. So over the years, you kind of, you know, chatted about that a little bit, but Mosquito's actually had a lot of success overall in the running world in this area. Can you give us just a little bit of rundown about the success that you've had in recent years? So I was fortunate that when I started up, um, one of the things that really helped us is we had a home meet. And I know it seems kind of like a weird place to start, but it gave me kind of a, because our, our, our boys program was kind of really down. When I first started up, we'd finished last in the sectional, kind of towards the back in the conference meets. Um, and we just had a culture problem. Kids didn't really have a sense of like uh, the, the importance of the experience and how it can affect their adult lives and how it can really set them on a path to be happy, successful, you know, 20, 30, 40, and beyond year olds. And so the home meet, luckily, Phil Hamm, the head coach in the 90s, had kind of tricked everybody into coming to his home meet by sending them a letter to all these coaches that basically said, Hey, uh, first come first serve. I'm creating an invite and I got to get your answers by December for the next year. And I'm like, and I'm like, you did what? And it worked. <laughs> so we got a home meet started and we kind of built around that at first. Just, we had like, so I wanted to create a Muskego experience and I knew for the community having that, cause we have a wonderful trail system at Lake Dunoon middle school. Yeah. Um, just this beautiful area and get, get a little bit of everything, some soccer fields and then some prairie grass and some woods and some forests. And it just, it, 
we got we got like now we have like observation decks on this thing that eagle scouts of ours have built it's it's yeah. stunning like what we can do with our home meets and so that was kind of the starting point but then it was then we went through the chip on our shoulder phase like nobody believes in us nobody knows where we are and oh i totally played into that i was like yeah nobody knows where muskego is and then i found out actually nobody knows where muskego is like, tucked away back there yeah it's like is that by lake geneva i'm like sure like and so when one of my runners like early on we had some success like so in, in 05, I became the head coach and we ran into a buzzsaw, just a great Whitnell team and a great Kenosha Tramper team. We didn't get to state in that first year. Um, so it was a really quick turnaround from in 2003, we were basically dead last in the sectional to we almost beat uh, two of the top five teams in the state to make it. And that group of guys who now to this day, they're, they're our program setters. They were just like, they got really motivated by that. And that, that effect still lasts on the team to this day because those alumni are still connected to these kids. We have yeah. such a great, connection to those those runners of the last 15 20 and even 25 30 years ago I get runners from the 90s that'll come hang out with the team and talk to them about what their experience was like and it's great because sometimes like you know an alumni that you and I both know Jake Van Fleet he came with his wife and kid <laughs> and my and I was like yeah he was a knucklehead like you guys are and and they saw Jake with, as a dad and they're like that could be our future I'm like yeah pretty likely <laughs> and for them to see and then Jake to talk to them about like yeah, this is what it meant to me. Uh, this is how it's like kind of helped me and molded me. And, and I was a knucklehead, you know, and he'll tell you, he was a knucklehead. <laughs> he um, the first and, to say But that. Have, having that culture, it was, it, it was, it had to be sold first. And I had luckily some kids, uh, the, the, the Mount Rushmore of our program is Pete Romnick and Josh Peterson. Uh, these two guys back in 2002 to 2004, they get no publicity. They never did anything on the state level. Pete was just your normal six, five high jump and two flat, 17 flat athlete. He was a freak, best basketball player in the school and having those guys. So Pete was like the most popular kid in the building and he and I are still very, very close. He's a father of multiple children now. He's, he's in his thirties and, um, and he's, he married a doctor. So he's living the life and Pete just bought in right away and he saw it. He goes, this could be really fun. And then Josh was this quiet, no nonsense, just tough guy. And so they, they, they made it so that we were something that we were going to take pride in. And they, they, they handled it for me when I was a young coach because they basically saw me as some awkward older brother. <laughs> and those two guys, and then Breitbach followed it up, and Keegan and Justin Belmarez, Kyle Biscayevich, and these kids. And then having Rainey do the same thing with our girls in the mid-2000s, watching both of us, because we started in the same year, and having both of us build it up. He got our first ever girls team to state ever in the history of our school. Uh, I, I got our second ever because 1995 was our first, and then in 2006 we made it. And just then it's just kind of then the, the burden of consistency uh, became, became kind of the focal point for Rich and I as we continued to build uh, to what we now have with this combined program. And now seeing like our boys and girls come together at the, the start of workouts, um, running together, hanging out together, doing build your own boat races together. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, they did that. Um, thankfully, they wore life us. Uh, but it's, it's a truly combined program now. And it's just it's amazing. That's uh, to think back 14 kids on the team when I first started up and now between guys and girls, we have 119 signed up for the, you have an army when we watch you guys train. And then the support, like rich and I, of course, like, uh, like just like balanced it out. But then our assistant, like Jerome Michon is nothing but a beacon of rainbows and sunshines for everyone around him. Um, Steve check is this just even keel, like chill, great, wonderful emotional influence on kids. He runs a youth program as well for Young Life and does a great job helping support kids through struggles. And then we've got uh, two of our newer coaches, uh, Katrina Beck and Harris Jones. They've been 
involved in this forever. I mean, I'm spoiled uh, with the people I've had, Matt Hulsether, Amberly Check. Um, I can go on and on like the, and you, like, um, <laughs> we just, uh, there's such a community now where uh, my wife always loves to joke and be like, how do people tolerate working with you? I'm like, well, there's other people besides me. So we I guess like that's the whole community. Yeah. Cause let's, let's be honest. I am not, no, <laughs> this is not an army of one. Hey, but that's actually probably what brings all together is when it's that you don't realize that it's just the one person running the show. That's a collective effort. That's probably what keeps everyone sticking around particularly with running when you have so much time to just get to know people mm-hmm. uh, like on any given run like how much like there's a lot you can focus on and i i hope they do but i mean runners they just gab it's just chatty yeah. and so you get really get to know and having such different personalities of adults and then different personality of alumni that come back from the guys and the girls and has just made such a difference for these kids because there are definitely certain kids that I can just click with and other kids where it's just like, Jerome, you're up, you know, like other kids like Rich, you're up, you know? And um, because we know like certain kids are going to click with us for different reasons. Yeah. You know, if, if we have somebody who's a twin, who's identical, who, whose twin is a super successful and crazy talented athlete. And that, and that twin that isn't is really struggling. Like, Hey, Rich, you're up. Like, I think you might be able to relate, you know? Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Cause he's a twin. He has a twin. Oh, sister, yeah. though, right? and, and she's an Olympic athlete and, and he and I are not. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's fantastic. We, yep. Everyone's got their role in the system, which I think is perfect. You know, it's kind of funny whenever um, I'll mention to another patient that I'm treating that, you know, I work with a lot of the Muskego runners and things like that. And they go, Oh, they just have such like a physically dominant presence when they are running, you know, there's kind of that signature. And what do you think has helped build you guys to be that physically dominant presence on, you know, in a race? I wish there was a silver bullet, but I'm not sure what the one thing is. Um, There's such a individualization at work um, from kids that might be running two or three days a week and doing a lot of strength training, other kids who are, you know, higher, quote unquote, higher mileage. Um, I know like people always ask like, well, what's like, what's like the average long run or the average mileage you do? I'm like, I don't know. Um, (laughs) I really don't like which five kids do you want me to do the math on? Yeah. Uh, Because there is no recipe. Um, And that's luckily there's been a a really wonderful movement in distance running in the last 20 years, particularly the last five really, where people have gotten away from the cookbook style of coaching distance runners where you take these training charts and these, you know, the Daniels book was a wonderful introduction to training science for, for myself and many other people, but the charts and, and even Daniels has said like, there's like, please don't take this as like God's writ. Uh, this isn't like the, the war, this isn't just like Holy scripture. This is just him guessing. And so the piece that we pride ourselves on is we look at each individual kid and figure out what do we need to do differently? Yeah. And when we are in a race, then uh, we want them to, trust one another, to embrace one another, uh, to recognize that it is not an individual sport in cross country. It is the, it's like one of the epitome of team sports yeah. because just cause you're really, really good doesn't mean anything for your team. Uh, cause you score five. And so, um, our boys and girls, like, uh, like being able to that mob mentality, that pack mentality, that, that understanding of you're only as strong as your, as really your, your last runner. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not supporting your kid, who's trying to break 40 minutes in a 5k, what good are you breaking 16? Yeah. Um, you're not going to bring value to this program. And so the kids buy into that. I love that at meets when 
So like our, our top wave comes and finishes and they immediately come running out as a group to find who's still out there. Yeah. And to see that from kids that are, you know, all state, you know, national class being out there for the kid who's just trying to finish his first 5k. Yeah. And it, it's, it's so inspiring to see this, them losing their mind and they know, like they know, Oh my gosh, that's the first time that, you know, there's this one guy who used to call grizzly bear. That's the first time grizzly broke 35 minutes. And like, everybody went nuts at the, I didn't even get there. They were already celebrating that's and they awesome. knew, they knew. And I'm like, that, that's one of those markers you have as a coach. Like we made it like yeah. that's, that's, that's the program. That's fantastic. Uh, Cause everybody wants to look at those top kids, but I don't know. I've always, I've always evaluated our team based on how do we, how do we support and develop uh, our JV kids? Uh, yeah. How are they valued? How, how much are they improving? Do they see themselves as valuable within the system instead of just the people that are getting headlines? That's why I've always had a hard time with these interviews. Yeah. Cause I always, I always want to talk about my JV kids. <laughs> Hey, that's fantastic. Like, like everybody knows who Eric Kane and Kate Jock has been Kate Spurka, but I'm like, d- d- like, can we, can we talk a little bit about, you know, like you know, a kid like Evan Rothwell back in the day, or just these kids that have just dropped like these awesome JVPRs. Like the first time somebody breaks 20 and you're like, that's the bus ride home. Yeah. Like, that's, that's what I think has really made us special is they value work. So the kids feel confident because they know there's a culture of you value hard work. Yeah. Um, and our training tries to reflect that as best as possible. I would agree with that. I've worked with a lot of your kids and I would say that theme really shows through with every person I've ever met from that program, which is fantastic. You know, I think you're already kind of starting to touch on it, but you know, speaking to the concept of like developing a young athlete, I mean, you get these kids who maybe have never really run in their life or some that have a little bit, you know, but it's a broad spectrum of kids that you get that you take from freshman year through senior year. What I know already from previous conversations, it's a very mixed bag of it, but in, if you kind of could summarize, like, how do you safely bring someone up through the ranks? What's your, your overall approach of a developing a young runner kind of through that time frame, that continuum? that you have them since I began, like when I first started up, it was, I'll admit like very much like got to get them to run. got to get them to move a lot. Got to get a lot of repetitive, like get those miles in, get those minutes in. And now I'm like, uh, I kind of operate on the principle. I need to teach them how to move before they move a lot and just trying to teach them how to move. I mean, I think everybody who's listening like to this, or I know Lauren, you know, watching a 14 year old move is really (laughs) a, it's a sight. It's, it's cartoonish. (laughs) Knees and elbows. Sometimes looks like a giraffe. Knees and elbow. Oh, like how, like how do you get your back heel to kick that far out to the side? Like, like I'm going to guess your knee hurts, you know? And so, so much of it is based early on and just biomechanics. Uh, We we work more on economy freshman year than, than, than anything about fitness. Yeah. Um, So I was just like, uh, like, so like incoming freshmen, we'll be talking about like, Hey, let's like, I'll, I'll watch, I'll videotape. And then we'll talk about like, here's some adjustments to make. And, um, let's, you're only running like, just run like 20 minutes, kid. Let's, let's run like 20 minutes and then do a ton of form workout. Let's do some hurdle work. Let's just spend a lot of time just working on how is your foot touching the ground? And then, I mean, as you know, Lauren, cause, uh, I was like super obsessive about strength training for many, many years, but I was kind of lost in the, the, the mess that is the research that's out there about strength training with distance runners and so many of the contradictions. And there's just, we don't really have a clear understanding in the distance running community. This is me on my soapbox. Yep. I don't think we have a clear understanding in the distance running community of the importance of strength training with teenagers. Yep. Um, so many college injuries, and professional runners, like if, if we kind of play into their strength, like you see these elite runners and again, this is me on my soapbox. 
-hmm. You see these elite runners, they run amazing times, but the, the number of foot locker finalists that end up as NCAA all Americans is less than 10%. I yeah. want to say it's right around like seven or 8% of the top 40 runners in the country. The top 40 high school runners in the country are college all Americans. That should, that should reveal that there's things developmentally we are not addressing as, as a, as a high school community in distance running. And yeah. so I do sacrifice uh, training volume for strength training. We yeah. do sometimes say like, you know, like you're not going to run a lot of volume. You're just going to have a day of strength training um, because you don't, you can't move yet. And yeah, you might be able to run really fast, but you know, I, I want you to have a healthy relationship with running out of high school. Cause I've gotten into some fights with some colleagues of mine that are like, well, this might be the last running experience of their lives. I'm like, how do you know that? Like, you don't know what these kids are going to do with running when they, some of these kids are going to get into marathons. Some of these kids like are going to do tough mutters. Yeah. Like this is like, this is something people like, you don't know the relationship they're like. So I want to teach them as best as I can, a healthy overall view of body development that involves more than just go run mm -hmm. um, so that they can be healthy and enjoy it. So when I get a kid who is like a lot of shin pain, like I always tell her like, or him, like, I don't want this, I don't want pain to be your normal. So yeah. we're going to have to do some things differently. Cause I don't, I'm sure like, you got to run through it. Like, absolutely. No. That, that, that mentality, luckily, is kind of a dying thing in, in American athletics, but not enough. Um, I do think too many people still go, just push through it. It's like, they're 15. Mm -hmm. Like, what are, what are you doing? Like, yeah. develop them. Let them be happy with what they're engaged in and let them enjoy the effort and not just be in pain. Yeah. If they're in pain, try to figure out why and change your training. Like, like, and just admit, like, you don't know exactly why, which is That's infuriating me. for a control freak like me. <laughs> well, I, I am a, I am a micromanager. Oh, <laughs> but I'd say it seems like you guys who adapt the uh, response of instead of like the, Oh, just go sit and rest and it'll be better. And we'll all come back to this in a week or two. It's more like you try to solve the issue or get them in front of someone to help them solve the issue. So that way we're hopefully trying to get past the reason why that was happening to help make them a more well-equipped athlete. It seems to be kind of some of the ways that you handle as things uh, start to surface injury wise and things like that. Atrophy is the enemy of the human body. Like, I, I mean, complete rest. I mean, I know it can have its place. I'm not, I'm not a surgeon. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure there's situations where you literally have to do nothing, but yeah. a sprained ankle is not one of those. Yeah. Um, even a stress oh, fracture wow. in, in your metatarsal, like there's still things you can actively engage in, which then speeds the healing process along. The yeah. body wants, it craves movement. It craves stimulus. And to just go, you know, take some aspirin and take two weeks off. It, ah, doesn't like, well. it's criminal to me. Cause like there's, there's, there's something you can be addressing even within your limitations. Mm -hmm. Like obviously if a kid has a stress fracture in their foot, well, we're probably not going to do anything while you're on your feet, but maybe, maybe we can play around some upper body strengthening. We can play around, you know, the arm bike, or we can play around in the pool. There's, there's, there's just always, depending on the facilities that are available, there's, there's options. Um, and in my experience of like working with you, you know, we've been, we've worked together to train around someone's injury. How do we keep them as active as possible? How do we adapt their strength training to kind of minimize any potential loss during whatever it is that they're working their way through or whatever the case may be. But, you know, by trying to minimize that drop off during a time of injury, we've seen much greater success as we release people back together to get them back to competition, back to training, things like that. Yeah, training economy can be trained at all times. Uh, the body's ability to move with less effort doesn't like have any sort of expiration date when you're hurt. Um, your, your heart doesn't know the difference between a bike ride and, and a run. 
Um, and when it comes to strength training and rehab, I guess is what the tradition, I don't like that term. Yeah. Um, it just feels in, like insufficient for what we're doing when we're training athletes because we're not rehabbing them, we're improving them. Yeah. Um, rehab implies a return to where they were. And I'm like, I don't want to go back to where you were. Where you were got you hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to figure out what you got you hurt and train that. Yeah. Um, so no, that, I that totally is, so I, I just, anytime I see somebody who's hurt and we're doing strength training or different training with them, I see that as progression. Yeah. And, we well, the kid, say- yeah, the kid doesn't always see it as progression because they're like, but I'm not running. I'm like, but you're getting better. We always, yeah, exactly. And that's what we always say is, you know, if you have to take time down, think of it as an opportunity to make yourself a better athlete during that time, move better, get stronger, be more prepared, you know, all that stuff that, you know, I think just like you're saying, look at it as an opportunity, not as a setback. Yeah. Say the primary cause of injury was pelvic tilt, you know, super uncommon in teenage runners <laughs> and like, I would never see that and say like, we have a pelvic tilt issue and like, well, we know what we can do is strengthen a lot of those muscles yep. without stressing, say your shin or your foot or whatever the injury place may be. And be like, well, we're going to isolate, I don't know, your piriformis or something. Like mm-hmm. there's just things we can do to be like, now we can get you in a better pelvic position. So you can hold that, that static st- you know, position while you're running. And then yeah. when you come back, you'd be like, I'm moving faster. Yeah. You got faster when you weren't running. Yep. Uh, that's so hard for teenagers. It, it, it's, I'll be honest. It's really hard sometimes for families to understand. Yeah. Like, yeah, your kid's getting faster, but they're not running. I'm like, so there's a lot of other ways to make that happen. <laughs> and that's where I'll, I'll admit like our success has made it a little bit easier for me to have those fights. Cause I can be like, Hey, yeah, we've had kids that have like, I remember, I, you know which kid I'm talking about. We had a kid, I mean, she was running like two days a week and everybody was asking me, so what's her mileage like? Like how many minutes or how many miles did she run this week? I'm like, 10. <laughs> but, but she ran side. I'm like, yeah, like this, this isn't like a one road path. Yep. And then they asked about the other one. You know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. They asked about the other one. They're like, well, how about her? I'm like, 12 miles maybe? <laughs> And yet we still raced and crushed it. And then they ask about my third, like this third one. And, he, and I'm like, yeah, he was running probably about like 400 minutes a week. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, it's, there's no, there's no single anything. Absolutely. Like, and so when I, I don't usually admit this to my freshmen, but with my seniors, I admit it all the time. I'm like, guys, I'm just guessing. <laughs> like, I, if you see me as a prophet, uh, read a different Bible. <laughs> like, I am just, I don't, I'm not, I can't do constant blood testing on you. I don't know what your, uh, you know, your, your blood levels are at at all times. Like, there's, I, I'm sort I don't know what your hydrogen ion versus your calcium ion. I'm just guessing. So <laughs> go run by field. Oh, they hate it when I tell them to drop the watches. Oh, like drop the watches, go do this work up. I feel, but, but yeah, I'll tell you when to start and stop. Cause I'll listen to your respiration, but you know, mm-hmm. like, no, we're not going to time anything today. Oh, they lose their mind. But you know, it's one thing, you know, that's, uh, there's something to be said for, that's a way to understand your body versus locking yourself to a watch or a tempo or whatever the case may be. I think sometimes people get you know, diverted by things like that, where they think they must run at said cadence or they must run at said pace. And especially probably for a runner who's early in their process of learning how to be a runner, there's something to be said for taking that away and kind of better understanding your body and how you interact with the ground and how oh, to make di- that happen. Significant difference between training and taming. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you, you can tame a lot of good runners and be, and then you're like, why aren't they racing fast? They did X, Y, and Z in these workouts. And you're just like, okay, but they, do they know what it feels like to race? Like if I'm doing say five by three minute at like a 5k effort, and mentally, all I have to worry about is three. I don't have to worry about 20 straight minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not the same thing. And just that, that component of just letting them go, 
um, was the hardest for me to do as a coach because there is a spectrum. Like in track, there's so much more, like for an up and coming runner in track, there's so much more to manage, you know, splits and pace and workouts where you can be a little more like in control, but then you get that top level and everybody's good. Yeah. You know, everybody can break five in the girls mile or everybody can break four, four twenty in this state meet final. It's just like, you just need to know how to race and racing has very little to do with splits at that level. It's just competing against those around you and feeling it out and recognizing the situation. And I remember like my real awakening. I mean, we all say that as coaches, but it's hard for us to really believe it. I mean, cross country is totally by feel. Um, I mean, you want the splits to help the kids learn about how they're managing the effort. Yeah. I mean, if a kid goes out in five flat and a second mile split is seven thirty, that's a pretty easy conversation. Like, Hey, hey you know, maybe you want to go out a little slower. Um, <laughs> or if a kid goes out in eight minute and the second mile splits five, it's like, maybe you're dogging it you got more. Yeah. You got so more to give. It's, it's a guidance, not some sort of like requirement, but, uh, back in, I think it was 2011, uh, 2010, uh, Mike O'Connor was a two miler of mine. And we went into the state meet as a senior and I'm like, I have no race plan for you. Like he was one of the most in tune racers I've ever had. Just could recognize. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I just want you to try to battle. <laughs> like, like get out there and beat people. Like you're, you're running against the best guys in the state. Um, and I, I think you're one of them. I think you have one of the best kicks in the state. And this is a kid who had no foot speed whatsoever. His freshman soft could not break 70 in the quarter till the end of his sophomore year. Um, and by, and he did, he had one of the best kicks in the state as a senior. And, uh, he was part of my first generation where we really started to hit strength training. Yeah. And, and really started to focus on economy. And I remember watching that race. It was one of those classics where it was super windy. So everybody was afraid to be in front. So here's Mike. And the rest of the race was doing this the whole time. I was watching him going, you've got to be kidding me. He hasn't changed pace once. Like all these kids are rotating. Like, I want to be in the front. I want to be in the front. I want to be. In, and then they started to just fade off. Yeah. Because they're all hitting that CP phase. and They're all bursting and dying, bursting and dying. And all of a sudden with like 400 meters to go, I'm like, he's in third. <laughs> like, like, and he didn't do anything other than just chill. Yeah. The best part was he was six foot four, <laughs> long stride, surrounded by 18 other people. And he never, he just told me, he's like, yeah, I was comfortable. Sometimes I had to move to lane three. He's like, it was slow. I didn't care. I was like, oh, I love this kid. <laughs> he's an accountant now. You can imagine he kind of likes, you know, yeah, managing things. <laughs> but case in point, everyone runs a different race, you know? Oh, yeah. Everybody's running their own race. You know, until, until there's 200 meters to go, everybody's running their own race. And then it's, <laughs> then it's yeah. who's around me. <laughs> I agree. So I know we talked, you have a very broad spectrum of what mileage you could cover, but you know, in general, um, when you're looking at programming for young high school athletes, like kind of what's an average mileage per week or frequency per week, you know, yep. as you're working with these younger athletes. So frequency and volume are like the, the my, my two biggest like starting points with all incoming freshmen. Mm -hmm. Like I want you running you know, somewhere between four to six days a week. Sometimes we'll supplement biking, swimming. Uh, we have a lot of ellipticals in our weight room because I'm spoiled rotten by our weight room director, Danny Malachnik. He is wonderful. You are. Uh, and just, uh, just supplies things. It's great. <laughs> like, I'll, I'm like, you just got a curved treadmill. What is this? Like, let's go. Like, this is going to help me keep kids healthy because like, of the reduced force impact. But those incoming freshmen, uh, we do not talk about mileage. I don't like miles per week. Um, I find it really demoralizing for kids that aren't your better kids because mm -hmm. if I say do a four mile run that means something really different uh from my number one to my number 55 yeah. um so like a four mile run could be 28 minutes to 50 minutes and so like that's not fair so I'll tell we, we are a minute system so like uh, an incoming kid 
it would be nice if I can get them like in a high volume week to like 280 minutes, um, like maybe 250 minutes so that for the, for people that are more familiar with mileage, if you're like at seven minute mile pace for like a, a varsity kid for a yeah. varsity boy, uh, you'd be looking at like 35 to 40 miles a week at most, most of my freshmen are usually running like 200 minutes a week. Yeah. Um, cause we're doing so much supplemental work. So like 180, 200 minutes a week is pretty average for incoming freshmen. Seniors, yeah. like, like you already said, there's no way for me to pin it down. I went through a, a pretty heavy high mileage, high, high volume uh, phase in my early coaching career and just found a lot of diminishing returns, especially when they'd go off to run in college. And I carried a lot of guilt about that. I was like, oh, I didn't prepare them for the college experience. I was kind of like making them fast now and not really thinking about what's next. And I was 26, uh, very competitive. And reflecting back on that now, it's just like, I've told them to, I'm like, guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, a couple of them in particular, like, yeah, I really burnt out freshman year of college. No, I'm like, no, you burnt out in four years of high school. Yeah. Uh, that was on me. Um, I, but they're like, you had a lot of success in high school, but I was like, yeah, oops. So very, very paranoid of just setting kids loose on just straight mileage and volume progression. So we, I, just, I was having some conversations uh, all spring about, you know, what we could do with our minutes since we weren't racing. Yeah. Um, and so that, that, that opened up some, some possibilities because, you know, you can do a little bit more and you don't have to worry about that race. Yeah. No, I totally get that. So sorry, I can't give a very specific answer. <laughs> I think it's a very good theoretical point to make about, you know, expectations to be set for young runners and to not like be so rock solid in your plan, but to be flexible and, you know, it gives yourself that grace to learn the sport, work through the sport and improve your skill set within it before you really worry about all the metrics of it per se, because that could, I mean, I feel like sometimes the metrics of that can give a kid paralysis by analysis. Like you're saying like, oh my God, four miles, what's going to happen? You're having the best day of your life in a race and you hit the opening quarter split of a mile, like three seconds faster than you ever have. And then you're like, I'm going to die. It's like, no, you're having the best race of your life. Yeah. Just ride it out. Like I think that, you know, Running is such a mental sport. You have to learn how to not overthink it. You have to learn how to not be intimidated by it. You have to learn how to embrace it. Like there's a lot to be said, and there's just a lot of different ways that as a teacher of the sport, you can help someone learn how to embrace it and control it. And I think like you said too, maybe just the general oversight of knowing that you as a coach, you shouldn't burn them out early. Uh, and kind of more embracing, if I, if, it, if I could summarize it, almost sounds like quality over quantity to start. 100%. And, you know, riding that out as they get older and more skilled in the sport and stuff like that. So, you know, and I think for any high school coach that's out there listening, you know, and I hope that they kind of consider, you know, adopting that thought process a little bit that, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, everyone always thinks cross country equals high miles. And I don't think it, that really is the equation at all at times. And sometimes less is more. And so, you know, having that flexibility as a runner or as a coach to realize that there's no one algorithm, I think is the best thing to take away from that point especially when you start like there's so many kids that you can get this like initial wave of stimulus response where they just like whoop and they're just getting better. And you're like, so say like, well, oh, I increased their volume. I will continue to increase their volume by 15% and that'll create a 15% improvement or something. And it's just like, no, um, there's, there's such a diminishing return, especially when, um, cause like I love David Epps, uh, Epstein's book, the sports gene. And talking about like genome activity, about like how people are like, some people are high starters and high responders. Mm -hmm. Like when you get both, you're like, oh, hello, Nick Willis from New Zealand in the mile winning Olympic medals. Um, but when you get somebody that's a high starter, you might think, oh, they're doing great because of this training. It's like, no, they just, they're a high 
their, 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 their genetic coding, just put them there. Mm -hmm. It's, we call it talent. Um, whereas the high responder can really trick you into thinking that your training is the reason they're getting better when really, as I was telling you earlier, like that's just the testosterone flowing through the body through teenage life. That's the, that's the natural stimulus. Like yeah. they're, they're getting, they're getting the cheating. Like, yeah. Uh, Cause they're like, it can trick and it tricked me. Uh, there was a lot of times where I, I was such a results based, uh, analyst that I missed so much in my early years of coaching because I saw these results and these, these improvements without thinking about all the outside factors that were causing those. And yeah. then I got blessed with my team size growing. And then I had a larger sample size to see, oh, you know what? That huge percentage of kids that worked their butts off, they didn't get any better. Like that's on me. And I got to figure out why. Uh, mm -hmm. And then we start those conversations of outside of running. Like how much are you What's sleeping? Yeah. Like, do you go to Taco Bell? You know? Yeah. Um, please don't because that's not food. Especially you know? before training. Um, oh, no, it's like we're not trying to be NFL offensive linemen that have to eat like every two hours and then they retire and lose like 60 pounds in six months. Yeah. Um, because they recognize, hmm, maybe this wasn't healthy. Yeah. You mean the quality of the fuel that you put into your body means something? Oh, as a teenager, particularly, I hate that argument. Oh, it's just the furnace, it burns it all up. I wish once a runner would have never said that. Yeah. Like, no, that's not what happens in distance running. Yeah. Like Quality literally nutrients just, goes a long way. Turns out that enzyme activity is a tough thing to nail down. And like mm -hmm. proper diet can just throw everything off kilter. Yeah. Uh, the first time I ever started to get into looking into the endocrine system, I was just like, oh, this is a mess. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. And then I started to eat spinach. But <laughs> like, Don't put diesel in a, free, in a premium fuel tank. In a premium tank. fuel tank. Yep. <laughs> Love that That's, expression. Yep, exactly. Um, so kind of also talking about that in terms of developing your runners. You know, you've seen a lot of kids over the years, um, you know, go through this continuum and develop and, uh, and sometimes go on. What do you think are some of the more overlooked skills or qualities that are needed to develop a good distance runner? Strength training, strength training, and strength training. Um, <laughs> this is why I, we get along so well. Yeah. I, I mean, I get into this with so many other fellow distance coaches. Like, how often are you bringing your kids to the weight room? Like, our off-season program, uh, so Danny Malachnik runs this through Muskego High School. It's uh, Muskego Power. And so we have it uh, every, we have four seasons of it, fall, winter, spring, and summer. And obviously this summer, it's a little, been a little harder to manage, yeah. but um, we have this set up for all of our athletes and we embrace it. We, I mean, our football players are, and they've been incredibly successful and just great, great ambassadors of athletics in our building and super embracing of like all sports. I just, I love tipping my hat to those boys. They've made our culture just incredible in the high school. Because uh, when they're in the weight room, they're, they're standing behind my, my first-year freshman girl trying to do her first-ever pull-up, and they're clapping like crazy. And then she does it. She gets down, and she's high-fiving with an all-state first-team like running back. And she's I, like, Ugh. I would like to point out, though, you do have some female runners that can actually outlift some of the football oh, guys. Yeah, when, when Kate Jockums was kicking it in that weight room, all, all the boys were like, whoa. And she did stuff they could not do. And, and they, they would try and they'd be like, yeah, I don't want to get hurt. She goes, yeah, you better not. You're going to get hurt. Well, and the myth that runners are just these petite little things that aren't strong oh, is yeah, quite that's... possibly the most opposite thing of what really happens with some of these elite runners is they're actually extremely strong and extremely powerful. I mean, one of our patients that we share, she does 
350 pounds on her barbell hip extensions and doesn't uh-huh. even blink twice about it. So, you know, if people think that runners are not strong people, they are severely misled in that situation. But when they're not developing, when you start talking about a, a single plane linear sport, which is distance running, we're not cutting, we're not taking sharp turns, we're not exploding up in the air. We are repetitive motion, single plane, you know, straight ahead. Uh, there's so much atrophy and so much compensation that you, you just, you can't get to it without strength training. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I can't get into like a, any sort of like a hip balance, get adductor abductor uh, correlation. I, I can't get that happening through an interval workout. And yeah. then there's the supplementation of like say, oh, hills are strength work. Uh, hills are power work. Hills are like aerobic economy. Hills, depending on how you're playing with them, I would not call those strength work because mm-hmm. how is that helping your support structures? Well, and strength um, and, is about that overstimulus. It's a skill. That the weight is providing to the body to create new adaptations. Yeah. You know, and like, if you're only constantly regularly moving your own body weight, that's a, you know, you're getting more of the cardiovascular adaptations, but you're not getting that overload to create a strength adaptation. Yeah, the, the analogy I like to explain to my runners a lot is like, yeah, I can make it so that your body is really fit, but that doesn't mean you're going to race fast. Like fitness and, and racing speed, they don't always line up. Like I could have like the fittest kid on the team. He does mileage like nobody else and his tempos are like five minutes per mile and something absurd. And, and like he can do these intervals, but um, he might not be able to race because he's not strong enough. Yeah. Um, he's not able to handle uneven footing, surges in a two mile. Um, the, 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 the inevitability of getting tripped up and then suddenly a muscle that you don't normally use has to fire to keep you from falling down. There's so many, like, especially cross country. I mean, there's just so many reasons why strength training is important in cross country um, because your body is never on a stable footing for the entire time, unless you're on those nice groomed fairways at some golf courses, Um, which we don't go to a lot of those. Um, And it's, it takes a lot of dedication to commit to three days a week of strength training in the off season. Um, And even on your non strength training days, doing additional supplemental work that just helps you recover. Yeah. I remember explaining to people like, yeah, sometimes our kids will lift the day before a race and they'll actually benefit from it because it helps you recover. And they look like, well, aren't you tired? I'm like, no, I, I'd be happy having some kids lift the morning of a race. It excites uh, the neuro, your neural response system. You know, yeah, it like, really excites the body and gets it ready. There's, there's pathways that like just suddenly go, oh, I woke up. Uh, and, and muscle groups that are now ready to work together. It's, it's like, and the easiest way to explain that to a distance coach is be like, well, you do like, like you do like plyometric exercises as a part of your warm-up, don't you? Well, why? Because you're trying to stimulate the nervous system. You're, you're, you're trying to get you know, electrical firings to happen. And like that can happen hours before and still have benefit or even a day before. Yeah. Um, and so I used, I mean, I was in the dark experimenting with it before I started talking with you about, you know, primer lifting and just getting like, you know, reduced load, reduced reps just to get the motions uh, to keep that familiarity. And yeah, the results have been undeniable. Um, as far as how kids, you know, when kids describe how they feel, which I used to joke with them, I don't care how you feel. I care if you can race fast. Um, like, and, but just that joke kind of became a thing with my runners and I, cause we'd always talk about how they felt like, what was your perception of effort at those speeds? Cause that does have some significance. Um, it definitely becomes a crutch for some kids because they start expecting to feel good. And the reality is, I don't care who you are when you're running at an elite level, it hurts. Like we're the only sport where, you know, going into it, you're going to get your bell rung and you're ringing your own bell. Yep. Like you go into a football game, you might get you know, popped. You're, you're playing in the basketball game. You might get slammed into, you run a distance race. You're going to feel pain and you're in charge of it. 
go. Like that's the masochistic part of what we do. And that's what makes us kind of like, I don't know, odd, but in a good way. Yeah. Uh, because that, that kind. well, it just, it creates a sense of what you're capable of through challenge. Absolutely. You know you're capable of more than you thought. And that's Absolutely. such an important life skill to learn at a young age, to have that grit and to not give up. Um, I, I find distance learning incredibly important, uh, especially in a culture where things can be so simplistically achieved. I mean, I don't even have to go to the grocery store, Amazon, like uh, things have become so simple that suddenly when things are difficult, uh, I, I'm sounding like an old man right now, but uh, I do think there's a cultural piece to that. Um, while the chaos of young life has definitely gotten way harder than I would ever dream. Um, I would, I would not want my social life to be so publicly viewable. Mm-hmm. It's a different conversation for a different day. Yeah, it really is. I, rabbit hole. I just fall down them. I hear you. So I think kind of one of our last big questions, topic questions. So you as a coach were unfortunately presented with the challenge of COVID. Lost a season, <laughs> yeah. lost contact with your kids in terms of having direct contact and the ability to work with them. You know, coming out of this quarantine, what are you recommending that your athletes are doing to prepare for this, knowing that they were kind of cooped up for the last handful of months? What are we doing to properly com- prepare for this upcoming training season? And, you know, what kind of advice have you given your kids and the structure that you provided for them to help safely get them out of this hopefully once in a lifetime situation? Oh, like most of us, I wasn't worried about them physically. Um, when March 13th, that Friday, our last day together, I remember. It was I just, Friday I, the 13th? Yeah, it was Friday, oh, March boy. 13th. It was my last day at school and our last day of track practice. And it was my last day coaching with Rainey because uh, with him moving on to his, his new job. And, um, and so that day, like, was just a really profound, like, holy, oh, wait, I, you, yeah, insert, um, moment in my life. And I looked at them, and some of them, I could see it in their eyes. They knew. They knew. They knew, like, oh, my gosh. Like, my seniors, they just, they, I remember Brittany looking at me. I'm like, yeah, this could be it. And then that was the day Rainey announced it, that he was, like, this was his last season of coaching. And I was so thankful he got that chance to do that in person with them. Yeah. Um, but that week, I just, I'm, I'm a news follower and I was kind of watching. I'm like, it's coming. I'm like, I, this, this might be, oh no, like, oh no. And so that Thursday, um, it really like Rich and I sat down, like we really need this Friday practice to be special. Yeah. And so we met with them all. Uh, Rich kind of made his announcement and we made a very overt statement to them. Let this teach you to value what you have while you have it. Cause today we have it today. We have a run. It was just a simple, normal, easy day. They're just going for an easy run, doing some turnover work after and some strength training. Normal, easy day. And I'm like, but don't let it be normal. Don't ever let it be normal. Like, value it. Because I always tell them, the alumni come back and they'll tell you they miss it. They, they miss this experience that they've never had in their life ever again. Most, most athletes will talk about that, missing that sense of camaraderie and, and, and shared uh, efforts. And, and it's just, it's still there in lives, but it's different. And having it at that, that young age is important. So when we lost it for four months, um, luckily we had a communication piece, which is a, a Google classroom that we used while we were doing our virtual coaching during the track season. Mm-hmm. And I kept on my, my constant message to them was twofold. Just always look for what's next. There's always a what next. Like you get, for goodness sake, some of you are 15 years old. There's definitely a what next. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also just, I kept on stressing with them, you know, hope is not a mistake. Um, whatever you're hoping for, keep hoping for it. If you're hoping for a state track meet in March, in March, I was like, if you're still hoping for us to have an end of a track season, keep hoping, but please temper the hopes. Don't, don't, yeah. don't set yourself up for a, a really big pain, but keep hoping, yeah. hope for a fall season, hope that we can train together in the summer. 
um, and think about what the next thing is. And so with my seniors, it was, what do you, like the meetings we had was like, what do you want running to be when you leave high school? This is something we'd normally meet with them about and chat with them about. Like, what do you want running to be? Do you want to run collegiately? Usually we have that conversation earlier. Mm-hmm. Usually like junior year, we start that conversation. Are you thinking about running at a college level? Yeah. Um, or are you thinking about like maybe doing road races? Do you want to do the, the tough mudder thing? Like you want it running to be a fun thing in your life? Yeah. And so we started having those conversations. And luckily, uh, the kids did a lot to stay connected to each other virtually. Yeah. They did a lot of like, you know, whether it just be like, hey, let's get together in a Google meet and play some Call of Duty, you know, <laughs> or I remember, I think one of the girls went to one of those and she's like, no, <laughs> like, this is not my jam. Yeah. But then as soon as like the, the restrictions were lifted and people were allowed to gather in Wisconsin in small numbers, they immediately set up a build your own boat race. And so they had six teams or five teams and they had like $150 spending limit and they could use whatever materials they wanted and they built their own boats and they raced them across little Muskego Lake. And it was hilarious. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Like they did great. Some of the designs were spectacular. Um, and one of them was not <laughs> one of them. They just took six tubs of Tupperware and glued them to the bottom of a sheet of plywood. And that was it. And of course the, pl- the, the Tupperware, like the kinds of things you'd store uniforms in started to take on water. <laughs> and so I guess my easiest answer I can give with all of this was just the sense of community that I, I want them to remember they still feel and they have mm-hmm. and that they've maintained. So right now with our summer Muskego power session, kids are allowed to be in groups of like 10 to 20, but those groups have to be nowhere near each other. Yeah. And even within those groups, they have to be separate from each other. And that's, I mean, that's been tough because they're used, I mean, distance runners are used to just, you know, clinging. Uh, They're, they're an odd bunch. Um, Don't even get me started when distance runners do karaoke, but, uh, or karaoke, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a site. Or when we let them, or when we let them do a skit night during the cross country season and they, oh my gosh, that was a riot. Uh, it's weird seeing a kid imitate you and being like, oh my gosh, that is exactly who I am. Yeah. I need, I need to change. Um, but that community they maintained now, unfortunately, um, it's harder because I, we, we, our Muskego power group, we wanted to set them up to help, uh, reduce uh, risk of transmission. And we know there's certain kids that are hanging out with each other already. Mm-hmm. So like I know in our endurance group, we tried to set them up in groups, not necessarily based on all training abilities. It was who do we already know is around each other so we can avoid, you know, contact spreading. And that's very, like, there's a lot of conscientious decisions we've had to make, which are not in the best interest of the mental health and development of our kids. But we know them not being able to be around each other at all and train is terrible on their mental health. Our athletic director, Ryan McMillan, has been very good about sharing with coaches, hey, guys, you got to look into the research about, uh, thing. UW-Madison put out a study not too long about the mental health of teenagers right now being the lowest it's ever been measured at. Um, and it's not really a surprise. Yeah. Like I know some of my students were like, woo, I can play video games all day. But then after a month, they're like, I've done nothing with my life for literally 35 straight days. Mm-hmm. And I feel miserable. I'm like, yeah, I would too. Like, let's figure out something productive to do. Yeah. And running is just by definition is something productive to do. Yeah. No, that's so great. Th- that's where like, I'm very lucky with our sport. Uh, we, our sport is literally mental health for quarantine. Yep. No, I um, totally agree. And I have so much respect for my fellow coaches in soccer, volleyball, football, basketball. I mean, there's so many different hoops they have to go through just to be able to get their kids to train. Um, Because, I mean, you can't, like, they couldn't play football (laughs) during March and June, you know, like, um, they had, like, you can't do that. So, like, our sport, we can at least still engage in, even in isolation. 
Yeah. You've been lucky to still be able to train even when you're under restrictions. That way it's not all of a sudden a shock to the system coming back. And, and, and some of the kids were able to, we, we put out a goal setting sheet and some of the kids were able to reevaluate some goals based on it. Like, well, I want to take advantage of this time to train, increase my frequency. I'd like to try to get up to five or six days a week of training instead of two or three, or I'd like to try to get up to 350 minutes instead of 300 minutes. And, or like, I'd like to take my long runs and, and make them hard workouts instead of just a straight, easy long run. Um, and just so they, and, but with the intention of, I'd like to try to improve for the fall or whenever I can race again. Yeah. And for some kids going on to college, they were actually pretty excited uh, knowing they could put in some extra work to get ready. Not a lot of them. Most of them still wanted to race their last season of high school. Yeah. I know Eric King was and Brittany Helm were, were in that, you know, in that place of like, Oh, like even though they're going to run collegially, they, they really, they really wanted that last season, but yeah. it's been hard. And it was, it was hard for me as a coach too. Um, I kind of spiraled a little bit as well, just missing that element of my life. And it was uh, like everybody else who's involved in high school athletics. Uh, none of us are buying a summer home with that coaching paycheck. <laughs> uh, just so that, that value that we get as a coach um, was, was, t was diminished for us too. I, I wouldn't say taken. Uh, there were still options for us to engage in it, but it just, of course it wasn't what we want. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so much more. Oh, I hear you. All right. Well, this is the fun part. We're moving on to the lightning round. All right. Questions for that. I know that you don't know. So that way, uh, all you can do is go with your first gut instinct. Belgian waffles. <laughs> all right. First one, you have to pick one, which I'm sure being an English teacher, this is gonna be hard, but what is a favorite running book that inspires you as a coach or as a athlete yourself uh poem walt whitman's song of myself i'm not even gonna answer your question directly uh because in walt whitman's song of myself he talks about that the key to happiness is form union plan and that's running running gives you form it gives you union with others and it gives you a plan to work forward hey. and he simply says that is happiness i support that i like the creativity i would expect nothing less from you in an answer <laughs> so I'll, I'll i'll take your question and make it my own by all means. Next one, favorite place or venue that your team has raced? Ooh, um, I, my instinct just immediately goes to like Parkside or, or our home course. Um, but, you know, the state meet has always just been such a spectacular event. Uh, NXN and NXR are just ridiculous what Nike puts on. So, no, I don't have a favorite. <laughs> Like, too many good ones to pick from. Honestly, anytime I can, I can get to a, a place of competition with my athletes is my favorite. Uh, okay. just, know, just knowing that I'm with them and engaged in something together is just very fulfilling. Fair answer. All right. Inquiring minds want to know, how many hours of sleep do you really get at night? Uh, it varies. Um, when, I, when I finally get a chance, like I'll, I'll, I'll crank out you know, as best I can. My kids are a little older, so they don't wake me up at 6 a.m. But I still like, especially during like a normal life. So not during quarantine, um, you know, it's definitely, you know, like maybe six or seven hours at best. There's yeah. so many times though where like I'm waking up and I'm just, things are going through my head. Um, so it <laughs> various, um, nap, naps have been my friend lately. Hey. <laughs> might, might, might go try to engage in that when we're done. <laughs> there you go. All right. No, that, I'm, I'm not a pillar of health when it comes to sleep. That's all right. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> Correct. Well, Lord knows I'm not, I'm not winning any of these races. <laughs> That's true. All you got to do is just be the uh, fire behind them. That's all. Yeah. If, if we were cheering me on, we'd be at that meet for a long time. So last question. 
If you had to give one piece of advice to a developing high school runner, what would it be? Record yourself running and learn how to move better. Oh. Um, just understand what you what what your body is doing while you run is more important than how much of it you do. So embrace that you don't run right. <laughs> you just don't. I've never looked at an incoming freshman and thought perfect. Yeah. Um, embrace that there like that is when you're new. There's nothing more important than figuring out where does my foot go. Where what about my knee? Uh, where should my upper body, what about my, what about my butt, you know, my pelvic position, where should my, what should my head do? Uh, my hands, should they be straight? Please don't do that. What do I do with like, my hands? I don't know. Oh, ho Hey, hold the Oreo cookies. Don't crush them. <laughs> don't drop them. You want to hang on to them because you want to eat them when you're done. That's the line. I, like I just said, I say that constantly. And I was like, just hold those Oreo cookies. A lot of coaches used to say crackers and I'm like, nah, kids like Oreos more. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, watch how you move. Like get, try to get a, a an image like a video image of you moving and learn from it. Yeah. And then for goodness sakes, fall in love with strength training. <laughs> Embrace fall in it. love with don't stop whining every single time. <laughs> like a coach says next, <laughs> like please don't whine when you're doing a side plank or when you're trying to do like a band exercise for your hip, like just stop it. Like, yeah. or when the band slides up on your leg and you're like, Oh my gosh, like it's okay. <laughs> Life will go on. Oh, the amount of complaining, fresh, like, uh, I got, I got, I got a freshman boy in my head right now. It's just like, oh, I gotta move. Oh, I gotta do another one. Oh, it's like, no, no, you don't have to. You get to. Yeah, it's a privilege. And then, and then the seniors, when they hear me say that, they're like, oh, not that. Yep. No, that's <laughs> I'm, a con I'm like, you don't have to. You get to. Embrace it. Absolutely. No, I didn't force you to sign up. Like, true. It's a voluntary choice, unless your parents made you do it. In which case, we'll unpack that later. <laughs> That's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Like, oh dear. Like, we'll find that out by your junior year usually. Absolutely. Oh, sorry. Any parents who are listening to this? <laughs> yeah, I can usually that figure note. that out. My third season, I can tell. Like, note. Oh, you're not running for yourself. <laughs> I love it. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. Um, as always, I enjoy all of our conversations. So for any of you out there, you can always follow uh, Muskego Cross Country and Track and Field. You can always check them out on the Muskego High School Athletics website, which is onewarrior.org. Um, and you can check their progress out over the course of this upcoming season. Hopefully we'll see some exciting things happening again. So thank you to all of our listeners for joining us today on the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. And we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new that will help you achieve your goals. If you did, we would love for you to head over to Instagram and search MKE Sports Podcast. Like, follow, or comment on today's episode. If you have questions, comments, topics, or guest suggestions, reach out through that Instagram account. Your feedback will help us make this podcast as relevant and informative as possible. If you have additional time, we'd appreciate your help in spreading this information. If you could head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review, it will help us spread the word to more athletes in the greater Milwaukee area. Have a great day, and we will see you next time.